Hello, friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and this is episode number 205. And uh, we're sitting down with a brand new friend today uh, to talk about his very first book. Uh, his name is Kevin Sweeney. The book releases on May 31st, which is a about a week from the release of this episode. Uh, so next week, I believe it's on a Wednesday, May 31st. And the book is called The Making of a Mystic. And the subtitle, are you ready? Here's the subtitle. My Journey with Mushrooms, My Life as a Pastor, and Why It's Okay for Everyone to Relax. We didn't talk about mushrooms in the episode. I had so many questions for him because I, I got an advanced copy of the book and I read it. And I'm all about right now, like I'm in this season of life where the idea of mysticism, the mystic mind, uh, the idea of like oneness, like we're all connected in some way, the interconnectedness of all things, uh, the Christ consciousness, right? Like the Christos, the the breath of God, all those different things that we've talked about on the show before, um, the, the non-dualistic mentality where, you know, kind of in the West, we have this idea it's either or, uh, it's black and white, it's light and dark, whereas kind of that mystic mind is about non-dualism. So like everything is connected, everything is welcome, uh, everything can be embraced, we can learn from everything. So I'm all about that right now. I feel like that's the I feel like that's the next leg of my journey uh, where I'm developing and I'm growing and I'm evolving. And so there was so much in this book that I was like, oh man, this is so good. Like it's putting so many words on things I'm, I'm wrestling with and I'm thinking about. And uh, obviously he wove his whole story kind of through the book and talked about mushrooms, things like that. But we didn't get into that part of his story because there was so much to cover. And uh, I, I edited it down a little bit, but we were already like an hour I think hour and 15 minutes uh, we had plenty more where we could have gone to so we're gonna have Kevin back on the show again uh, soon but uh, this is a good intro to him and his life and his ministry he lives in Hawaii and he'll talk a little bit about his church and different things he's doing there but really good book I highly recommend uh, you go out and get it pre-order it whatever you gotta do it's put out by choir our friends at choir publishing and uh, it's just it's just really really good I can't say enough about it it's really good I've said that so many times because <laughs> it is. It's really good. I'll put the link uh, in the show notes to the book uh, to Kevin. Also in the show notes will be my book, Rethinking Everything. It is available on Amazon. Uh, it's a story of my spiritual journey from a, a, a world of fundamentalist uh, black and white thinking to a great wide world of color where I explore things like I just talked about now where it's not either or black or white, but everything is welcome we can learn from from everything and so i'll put the link in the show notes also patreon and uh, buy me a coffee two places to go to support the show if this has encouraged you inspired you pushed you forward in your faith allows you to have an aha moment uh those are two places to go to give to the show to support the show uh i don't i don't mind saying it this is my job i do this i do social media for choir choir publishing and I do social media for Alexander John Shia. Those are my three, these are my three gigs. And this is the, probably the one that takes up the most of my time and uh, makes the, the least amount of money <laughs> of the three. And so 
I love it though. You know, it's so much fun. I feel like I'm getting to do so many things. Like I, I'm getting to talk to so many people that I never thought I'd get to talk to. And, uh, you know, I have a master's degree, I have a doctorate, and I read like a lot of stuff all through my life. And now I'm getting to talk to these authors and even become friends with some of them. And it's been so wild to do that and to be able to share it with all of you. And so my point is I love doing this. I love the places where we're creating community. Uh, in Patreon, I have 45 patrons. We're going to be doing some uh, new community-based things uh, in Patreon over the summer. We have our Facebook group. Uh, there's a, a, a level of Patreon supporters. They have a, we have a, a, a uh, what's it called? I can't, I can't talk today. We, we have a, uh, a Facebook chat and a Marco Polo group where we talk all the time. Uh, Twitter. I don't know if you've been over on Twitter lately, but I, I have a new, uh, Twitter account and, uh, we've got like 2,500 followers over there. It's, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of things going on. It's just, it's just, it's just so much fun. I enjoy it so much. So if this has benefited you at all, two places to go to support the show and uh, help support me and, and my family. It is greatly appreciated. Thank you to our 45 supporters. Y'all are amazing, and the Seeperts are incredibly grateful for you. So all that to say, I'll put all the links in the show notes. Uh, this is episode number 205 with the one and the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Sweeney. Go get his book. Peace. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed in something fancy. Uh, wish I on a pot and so go with the rainbow. I'm by the time Clancy. Uh, wishing I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go and hit a run, I'ma check. Wish I had no other sand most beating on my chest. Wishing for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name my own picture, we bring our own sand. Where we live is so bland. So much we're high on demand. Tiptoe around through and high lows. Feel like James Brown, love we go ahead and dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champion, going ahead, call the ambulance. So we said our own ambience. Dub TDG, train to go. Let's talk, no rambling. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, today we're sitting down with my friend Kevin Sweeney to talk about his soon-to-be-released book, uh, The Making of a Mystic, and it's subtitled My Journey with Mushrooms, My Life as a Pastor, and Why It's Okay for Everyone to Relax. And so, Kevin, welcome yes. to the show. Uh, I've been yes. looking forward to this. Yeah, I appreciate that, Glenn. I just, I, I've told people this, I love hearing the subtitles read out loud. <laughs> It's I, just that's what caught my so, attention. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's so it's funny. And obviously there's like intentionality where I'm like, OK, it's clever. But at the same time, those three things really capture one, the heart of the book, but also my journey and experience as a whole. So, yes, I'm like, it's funny and it's like supposed to be intriguing, but I'm like, it actually accurately is this like container that holds together my life and the movement of the book so yeah man i love it thank you so much yeah and i got a lot of people i think need to relax so i have a list of book people i want to give the book to there <laughs> you go. yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome so hey before we get too far into the book uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your yourself especially people who don't know you aren't familiar with you uh, who are you what do you do 
How is living in Hawaii? Is it as glamorous as we all imagine it to be? Is that out your window right there? Is that that's Hawaii? I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, if I know. could, I don't want to like. I have since I can't have a mess little, up too much. This, this camera, this is like downtown Honolulu. Oh, there it is. There's a harbor. It goes to the ocean right out there. I'm like two yeah. blocks from the water right now on the 37th floor of this building. So I'm not jealous or anything. I mean, you know, <laughs> I've I've surfed within the last <clears throat> 24 hours yesterday, so yep. it's. It's everyday life out here. And I will say the day-to-day realities for people living here are a lot more challenging Mm -hmm. and a lot harder. And it's more of a struggle than people realize. But at the same time, it's so, it is that beautiful. It's such a special place. The, 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 the people, the land, if, if you are not from here, which I'm not, I grew up in Los Angeles and moved here at 18. If you're not from here and you feel a sense of embrace from the islands themselves, from the people, it's really, really special. And, mm-hmm. you know, my wife and I basically stayed here since college. And so we're, uh, it's, it's amazing. I love it. I love where I live. I can't even lie about it. That's awesome. And but you yeah, passed I mean, yeah, pass a church, right? In Hawaii? Yes. My, so my wife and I started a church here called Imagine. And that was uh, almost 10 years ago. And so at 28, we moved back here after school and grad school and doing that. And our bigger picture of moving back was, yes, of course, we just wanted to live here. But I did feel this larger sense of there's this new community, this new church with a new way of being that seems to want to be birthed out of us. Mm. And that was our sort of bigger picture moving back here. And we started in our house, but eventually all our energy was focused on this neighborhood, which I'm just on the edge of downtown. It's a the unofficial arts district called Kaka'ako. It's sort of it was an up and coming neighborhood about a decade ago. It still is. And it's for me, it was a small slice of what more and more of the culture would look like mm. as time goes on. And we just thought it would be these new, these new communities, these new neighborhoods, oftentimes. I think benefit from a new liberated pastoral imagination that is not trying to recreate the past, but is honoring the past while trying to focus on creating the future. That's why one of our things was like, we're following Jesus into the future. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's. I mean, he's not stuck. He's not stuck in the past, Kevin. He's not not luring us back to the. (laughs) the It seems to me that, you know, Jesus never got in trouble or Jesus was never angry at people for trying to widen the circle of inclusion or create something that's wider and create something that's more inclusive and hopeful. It seemed like some of his greatest critiques were for people who still were trying to recreate and white knuckle and hold on to the past. So I think that was true back then with the explosive thing he was doing in that context. And I think it's true for what the spirit is still doing explosively in any context today. And sometimes we are close enough to the edge to be a part of that fun, challenging, amazing moment of creating a future. So yeah, we've, you know, my energy for, pre-COVID, you know, before the shutdown for seven-ish years was hyper, hyper local. Mm. These people, this community, this neighborhood, this moment, this conversation. I didn't spend seven years trying to build a platform. I didn't spend seven years trying to make myself marketable or brand Mm. myself. I was like, for the most part, totally immersed in 
and focused on what I was doing here. And, and that was a great gift in my life. And there's so much wisdom and so much learning and so much, so many good things that came out of that. Sure. Although we are now, if it was a three hour episode, you know, we could, I could tell you all the details, but we actually announced that we're in the final chapter of imagine. Oh, really? I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. We announced in January. Okay. Yeah. So in January, coming back from Christmas, we announced we're in the last chapter. We're going to go till June or July. So it'll probably be towards the end of May. Okay. And yeah, that's a bigger picture. I always sensed I would do this for about 10 years. Hmm. I didn't really see myself being in this role of a lead pastor forever. Sure. And it was that mixed with the challenges of COVID and reopening where it just kind of led us to all these points of convergence where my wife and I just sensed there's this other, there's the new risk and new things for the next 10 years that will look different from the previous 10. Well, mm. this, the, to me, I tell people the flow of my life is the same, but the form will look different. Yeah. The substance of what I'm doing and who I am remains, but the structure of it will adapt and change. And because for my wife, my wife's a marriage and family therapist as well. And a pastor, I'm, mm. I've been a pastor and writer now and doing what I do. I'm like, our work is always the same of healing and opening up imaginations and creating. So sure. for me, it's, it's a big deal, but it also just feels like so much continuity that it feels very natural and organic as well. That's awesome. So when you say that, the, it gives the church in this last season, like the church is going to actually close or are yeah. you, okay. So the church will dissolve and then people will go and do their thing. Yeah. I think, you know, years ago when I sensed there would come a time for me to change my role there was moments where I considered, you know, maybe there will be the right person or couple or whatever sure. it is to encourage and lead. And yeah, yeah. maybe I'll go do other things and still be connected and preach sometimes if they need me, or I would have loved to have done something like that. Yeah. But just from one, the uniqueness of the culture of Imagine, mm -hmm. especially here, where it's very unique and different relative to a lot of churches and church culture here. And after COVID and just moving and people fading and all of that, I was like, this is not in a place for somebody to come in and rebuild it. It just isn't. And I'm grateful that my wife and I did not take on the unnecessary obligation where somehow the value of Imagine is contingent upon it continuing without us. Yeah. We're like, hey, yeah. that was what it was for that decade or so. Mm -hmm. those people, those stories, that moment, and there's lasting for the lasting effects for the future, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we also were like, that was a season and that's okay. And it doesn't have to exist in perpetuity for us to, for us to see it for the sacred endeavor that it was. So I'm glad we were yeah. on the same page with that to be able to move forward. And I love that because I mean, you spend a decade with people and obviously new people people are coming and going over the course of those 10 years. People don't stay all the time, the whole time, but you have Absolutely. some people who are lifers who've probably been there for the whole time, but whatever the case is, like people have come, they've kind of eaten from the fruit of the tree, so to speak, but now they can go out as seeds and they can kind of plant what you have all learned together in their places. So it's really like Absolutely. the church isn't ending. It's just really just branching out and becoming, it's evolving. It's becoming something that's different than it has been. I think that's beautiful. absolutely. Yeah. 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 We're definitely there, man. That's awesome. So your book, uh, making of a mystic, yes, I guess sir. my, my first question would be, um, are you, are you a mystic? Is that how you would define yourself? And assuming that that's, that's what, that's what you are. Uh, how would you define that word? Because I feel like 
feel like that word has like a lot of baggage with it because I, I hear sometimes people define mysticism or what is a mystic. And I think in my mind, that's not how I would define <laughs> a mystic. Then I, then I define a mystic. I, I, if I get into a conversation, I was like, well, I see it very differently. So how do you see it? What is a mystic in your mm. mindset to kind of set up the, the rest of the book for us? Mm. Yeah, the, one of the great living mystics. And I, when I say that about people, I don't say that lightly at all because. It's not just I a term you throw out. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, there's, there's people who are moving toward the mystical, which I believe they're, that just means their faith is moving from belief systems and dogma to direct experience of spirit, you sure. know? So mm -hmm. I think people make a move to the mystical, but when I say like a great living mystic, those are very, for me, rare. Mm. They're, they're not everywhere. They're not, there's not a lot. And, yeah. but one of the great living mystics, Mirabai Star, who, uh, yep. whose work and contribution I just love. And her book, Wild Mercy, mm. I have, it's actually sitting right next to me. Her book, Wild Mercy, is called Living the Fierce and Tender Wisdom of the Women Mystics, is one of the best books I've read mm. in a few years. It's mm. amazing. Yeah. And she's connected with Roar CAC and does stuff yep. with them. So, yeah. yeah. She writes from a real inner spiritual sense, like she's Jewish and then kind of mm -hmm. has, you know, draws from different traditions very freely. Sure. But she says a mystic is one who has direct experience of the sacred unmediated by conventional religious rituals. Mm. And she goes on, she has a broader description, but that direct experience of the sacred, this direct knowing of spirit, this to be, to know God is actually to be known by God. Yeah. And to see yeah. is actually to be seen and to love is actually to be loved. So the foundational mm experience of the mystic is not here's what i believe about god although we have beliefs it's not here's thoughts i have about the divine it is actually this direct in the eastern traditions they would say identity as the divine i would say more western mystics mystics it's more of the sacred union where there's almost no lines there but they probably mm -hmm. still maintain a few distinctions there but the mystic for the mystic, it's not the menu, it's the meal, mm. right? It's not the map of the terrain. It is the traversing, the walking, the barefooted on the grass of the terrain, right? The mystic is not arguing over the properties of water. It's the mystic is living in the ocean and eventually waking up as the ocean. So mm. that's why they, they, the mystics are poets because they're not coming away with dogma or doctrine. They're coming away with beauty. They're coming away with poetry. They're coming away with, I'm going to use words to describe this, but it's not because it captures it as a whole. It's because it invites you into the reality of it, which is yeah, actually where transformation happens, which is actually where we know we're loved, which is actually where we move from what Ken, Ken Wilber would call a translative version of the faith which gives you a different translation for your false self and it's actually a transformative faith which completely transcends the false self and this waking up into our larger self with the capital s in christ in god however you want to say that so mm. the mystic doesn't have to hold on to anything because they experience for themselves what it is to be held by everything and that mm. is a very different posture 
to take in our world as a religious person, as a spiritual person or whatever it is. So I could go on and on, but I will. You gave me like so many quotable things I have. Like, so you just hit so many things. (laughs) I was like, wow, I don't know what to, I don't want to write down everything, but I have to go back later (laughs) and write it back down because it's so good. I'm not going to lie. That is one thing I really love in life is like, and just, it kind of naturally comes out of me, but I'm also intentional of like just one liner. Definitely. Like the turn of the word, the, this, I just, I love all that. You turn on, you have your preacher mode right there <laughs> oh man i can't turn it off bro it's all the time that's awesome do you know uh, alexander john shia not personally but yes i do you know of his work yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i do social media for him and um i would consider him to be a mystic he's someone who i mean he has he has influenced me like so much and he's kind of really the one who sent me down this this trail but like one of the things he talks about a lot is that idea of of being held by everything and mm. you know the and and he talks about the christ and you know all these different things but i think it's 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 so everything you just said like my mind is just spinning because i'm in this place right now where i'm trying to deconstruct for lack of a better word mm-hmm. so much of my uh past experience in the church and the evangelical church and just doctrine and dogma and theology and all these different things. And I've come to this place where with Alexander, and I've told him this before that all my life, like my teachers, I've always wanted to know what they know. You know, tell me what you know, tell me the books you've read, tell me how to understand this idea, how do I explain this idea, all these things. But with him, like you're one of the first people I've really just wanted to know not really what you know, but the source of where this comes from, mm, because mm. you have some kind of connection with something. And I know it's God, but it's not the same kind of connection I have. And I just mm. want to understand more about that source that you, that, you know. And so mm. that's for me, like that's, I think is really the heart of being a mystic is what you just said is about that. Did the connection with the source, not so much the connection with the knowledge absolutely that comes from it, if that makes sense yeah well that is i mean one from my re my uh taking in of you know the words of you know of alexander shia i would say that is true for him hmm. who i would look at a person and be like if you want to know if i look at great living mystics i can look at a mirror by like in our culture who we're familiar with you can look at a mirror by star look at a richard roar look at a mm-hmm. james finley cynthia berger like but anyone at cac basically you know because roar sure his wisdom is able to sense and resonate with the people who have seen, you know, you know, the, the, the wisdom of, you know, Barbara Holmes over there and the people that Roar is connected with, Hmm. but Alexander John Shia, I definitely, he's one of those people, again, I don't say it lightly, but you're like, there's, you know, when somebody knows, right. You can feel it. And, you know, there's a, there's a great distinction between spiritual intelligence and spiritual experience, you know, or, Hmm what or what ken wilbur would call waking up and growing up you know the and to the spiritual intelligence is yes you have a more sophisticated more inclusive more broader understanding of reality of god of of humanity of whatever it is and that's all great and it's necessary and it's helpful to be a person whose love is liberated for the sake of all people and the planet and all living beings as Mm -hmm. opposed to just my little ethnocentric tribe that i'm a part of yeah but spiritual intelligence is not spiritual experience 
That's right. It is not direct knowing. It is understanding. The other one is a direct knowing. Mm. And that wake, the spiritual experience, that's what leads you to waking up. That's what bears the fruit of joy, peace, and freedom. Mm. I know a lot of people who are very progressive, and I probably agree with a lot of their theology. But if you get around them, you're like, they're still just as neurotic. Their ego is still just as much in the driver's seat. They're still just as anxious or ladder climbing as other people. You know, right. They just happen to be more progressive. So their spiritual intelligence has evolved. That's awesome. But the direct knowing that leads to the fruit of joy, peace, and freedom, you can tell, you can feel the gravitas, the weight, the energy of a person who's just grounded. Yeah. That's why the mystics don't come away with doctrine. The mystics come away from their life of silence and they're like, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And they know that for themselves and, and they're not naive to the suffering of the world. They're not naive to the reality of death. And we just came after Easter. They're not naive to the cross and to good Friday. They've gone fully into that and have felt it and exhausted the power of it in our own body in the same way. I believe Christ did on the cross and yet yeah. still carried it through to the other side. And they're like, but we're still okay. And the mystic, yeah. that's why the mystic, those pictures of the Buddha over time with like a subtle smile. I'm like that subtle <laughs> smile yeah. is what is silently and mysteriously passed down through the perennial tradition of mystics without even knowing it. Hmm. A subtle smile. That's like, Hey, it's not that that's why the last part of the subtitle, why it's okay for everyone to relax. Yeah. Like we're all, so I, I get it all. It is that hard. It is that tragic. Our friends are getting divorced. There is untimely death. There are wars happening in the world. There's all kinds of injustice. No one's denying any of that. And yet somehow the mystic can still hold it all together in that non-dual embracing mind and say, but everything's still okay somehow mysteriously. Like yeah. everything isn't good, but everything's okay. That right. is the paradox of the life yeah. of a mystic right there. Yeah. That's so good. And that's one of the, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about to kind of pick your brain about is that, that non-dualistic um, kind of mindset, because again, coming out of the evangelical world and just a little bit of my background, I went to a private Christian school from the fourth through 12th grades. I went to uh, four years of Bible college. I went to seminary I pastored a church, went back to seminary, very evangelical, oh, all, all this. Yeah, I'm going to do everything, everything a good Christian boy is supposed to do. I am going to be the poster child for <laughs> Christianity. <laughs> that was me. And I memorized all the answers. Not like I read Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict and, you know, Wayne mm -hmm. systematic theology. These were like my, my other Bibles, so to speak. You're all Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Wayne. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. And I still have it down there. I haven't opened it in a long time, but it's there to remind me. But anyway, it was like th that world is so, it was so dualistic for me. It was always, it was either or, it was good or bad. It was light and darkness. And the light and darkness piece was, was huge because even like in school, like we took classes called like power encounter, where we would learn about the kingdom of darkness, you know, and demons and you had to pray against the darkness. And it was like, obviously there's things in this life that, you know, happen that you can't help, but there's also things that you know, we were taught that it, anything that's coming into your life, that's bad, that's negative, uh, that's not good and joyful and all these things and peaceful, that's most likely from the devil. So you need to learn how to pray against those things. And so, so much of my life was spent 
praying against the bad and praying against the darkness and praying against the things that hurt and the things that bring pain. And now I'm in this space again, where I'm learning like, wait a minute, that seems like so much wasted energy because mm. whereas in the past I, I focused all of my attention out where I need to push, 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 and just welcome in the good things. Now I'm in this place where I've, I've, I'm trying to turn my attention inward and say, okay, well, let me sit with this pain and let me sit with this darkness and let me almost befriend this pain and let me ask Absolutely. this, talk to this thing and understand what it is and why it's here and how it can be integrated into my life as opposed to cast away and demonize as something that's evil something that's bad. And so I just wanted to throw it out there for you to respond to, but that's kind of the, the space that I'm finding myself in these days, especially in regards to things I'm learning from Alexander and people like, mm. and people like yourself. Mm. Yeah. You know, my, my experience, like hearing that story, for example, mm. like I ended up at a Bible college at 22 or whatever, yep. 21, maybe. And it was, you know, an event, it was a charismatic school. It was a four square. If anyone knows what that denomination is, you know, it's like yeah. a Pentecostal denomination. Sure. Very theology, very conservative, but also very like tongues and everything else. And it was cool with me. Like, I'm like, Hey, I ate mushrooms and experienced God. Like you want to talk about speaking in tongues? I never heard of them, but like, I don't expect this to not be weird. I remember thinking that like, it's cool. I'm, I'm open to weird stuff. Let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wasn't like, I immediately say yes to it, but I was like, yeah. huh, that's interesting because the people there talked about that type of stuff as if it was just like a Wednesday afternoon. Like I cast out a demon and spoke <laughs> in tongues. I'm like, all right, I guess. I mean, <laughs> way to live. Yeah. But I, like I went to Catholic school first, second, third grade and then mm -hmm. stopped going. And then within not too long after, eventually in my young childhood, like, I don't know, 12-ish or something, I stopped going to mass. And my parents mm. didn't force me to do that. Mm. And I'm grateful for that. You know, I'm like, and my, I talked to my mom recently about it and she's like, she wanted to push it further. And my dad was like, just let them be. Like, let mm. the kids be. They're old enough to make that decision. Like, you know, and I'm grateful for my dad giving us the freedom at that age because I left and I wasn't no dramatic, like I'm leaving the church when sure, I stopped sure, going to mass sure. at 12 or whatever age. <laughs> I, I told my mom, it was like, I left with a pleasant indifference towards God, life, mm. church. I had no oppositional energy, no antagonism, no bad experiences, no shame from it, no guilt. Mm. But I also wasn't, I didn't leave with this clear idea of, and this is what it means to have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Right, like I had right. never heard that phrase. Right. <laughs> But that indifference served me well because mm. I didn't, I was, I was never fighting things. I wasn't overcoming religious baggage. So mm. when I, when I say in the book, how mushrooms, like I have a chapter in the book called mushrooms and missionaries and how mm. mushrooms became this unexpected guide for me in this journey towards truth. Mm. I'll say, you know, when I had the spontaneous awakening moment with God at 18, there was no altar calls, no youth group, no pastor walking alongside of me, no kid inviting me to church camp. It was my own journey of exploration, my own radical inward journey yep. into myself where I discovered within myself, the depths of God. And I discovered the depths of myself within that and saw the connection between those two. Yeah. The reason why I say that is 
I didn't have that fighting the darkness energy. Mm. I didn't have guilt and shame. Yeah. I didn't have like, no, it's not the devil's trying to get you. You have wounds that are unhealed. That's right. That's right. It's not, oh, there's this plan, this roaring lion or whatever the people say about the Bible. That's always, <laughs> I mean, about the devil. That's Prowling around, right? James. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> oh no, actually there's illusions I have about life that I need to surrender. And yeah. to me, what's so, that's so much of like the God's doing this or the devil's doing that beneath the surface of that is a very disempowered way of being. Yeah. It's always like the gods, the spirits, the devils, the angels, they're all doing things. And I'm just like passively reacting and responding. Yeah. And the way I first experienced God in light in my own journey was spirit. God is present and inviting us forward. And I still see like that, you know, like I wouldn't have said it at that point, but I'm like, God and spirit is present, alive, soaking this world present within us, inviting us forward. And we have the choice whether or not to cooperate, align, surrender, and let go of the things that allow us to remain in that flow. That's an empowering thing because I'm getting in the way. That's why I say, I think somewhere in the book, the issue is never whether or not God's on the way. It's the fact that we're getting in the way. Yeah. It's not, let me go scream at the devil and get the spirits out of here for a while. It's, oh, no. I still believe if enough people give me applause and praise me, that's going to make me happy and whole. And I've given 80% of my energy in my life to that. Oh, if I actually surrender that illusion, cause it's not real. That just opened up all of this space within me to experience the perpetual incoming of Christ into my life. And that's empowering because I know God has spirit has their role in being present, inviting, but I have a role because I could get in the way of that very easily. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, one more thing I would say about what you said is if people learn along the way to fight something is to actually get power and to strengthen it. 100%. So, so much of that energy from those traditions, which I'm not like judging them, you know, sure. there's sure. great people. I, I had a great experience in Bible college, despite the fact I probably am not where they would have liked me to end up Same in my here. life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but to me, it was a great experience and there's really loving people and it was cool. Yeah. But that energy of let's fight, let's engage it. That is egoic ego energy. That's fighting the darkness, which means to engage it, which means to strengthen it and actually reinforce it at a deeper level, as opposed to the welcoming, allowing, embracing in, recognizing it for what it is, taking it into yourself, taking ownership and eventually surrendering it and letting it go. That is a very different kind of energy than the fighting of things. One, that's just the ego trying to overcome the ego by the strength of the ego. And it makes it worse. That's so good. This stuff started to really unfold for me when I'm getting a piece of my story, but back in school, one of the things I've always struggled with is like having um, like self-doubt and just mm. being very, like, I'm, a, I'm a very introverted person to begin with. And so I'm very always in my head, but just very, like, I've always been like a shy type of person. Even as a kid, like I was always very shy. Uh, I really struggled with like confidence in school and stuff like that. And so when I got to Bible college and in these like power encounter classes and stuff, we start talking about like our childhood and our wounds and stuff. Like the biggest thing for me was always this lack of confidence and this low self-esteem. And 
I, it, for the longest time that was labeled as, well, that's gotta be a demon. That's gotta be something in you that needs to be cast out. And so I can't tell you like how many literal like exorcisms and things like I went through with people praying around me, most of it, like fairly calm, just people praying, putting oil in my head, but sometimes people like raising their voice and like come out in the name of Jesus and things like that. And so for the like, like bark, it, yeah, bark at him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Bark foam at the mouth or something. <laughs> And so for the longest time, like I would, I would go through these moments and the feelings would go away for a while, but then they would start to creep back in. And mm -hmm. when they creep back in, you know, you're told, well, the devil can, he goes away with one, one spirit goes away and brings back seven more, that parable that Jesus talked about. And if you leave the door open, if there's a foothold, the devil will come in all these different things. So it always became like, it was my fault because while I'm not reading my Bible enough, I'm not doing this enough. I'm. I must have had, you know, these bad thoughts or something like that is what brought in the devil back. And so then I would go through again, more prayer and more things to get rid of this thing. And so I brought this up to Alexander and I said to him, I said, look, mm. I, said, you've, I said, I'm, my whole theology is, re, is being rethought. This is a huge piece of my upbringing. I don't know what to do with it. I said, this is what my story is. Help me understand this. He said that inside of you is not a demon. He said, that's, that's a younger version of yourself. Mm. that's your inner child he says so tell mm. me about your childhood so i told him about some things he said no wonder your child your inner child has no self-confidence he goes look at the things you were told as a child he says every time you're put in a situation now as an adult mm. where that child re is reminded of the situation he was in when he was younger he's flinching up inside freaking mm. out withdrawing and doesn't want to have anything to do with the circumstances around him so he's feeling very ashamed and very shy inside because he doesn't, he doesn't want to come out. And so he said, when you're demonizing that thing and you're trying to cast that thing out, he goes, imagine screaming at your five-year-old daughter, go out in the name of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, you know, go to hell, all these different things. That, that's essentially what you're doing to your younger child. So he said, I want you to do an exercise where you try to befriend your younger child mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to shame him and cast him away. And that was such an eye-opening moment for me because that was one of the first times I really gave myself permission to look within mm. and actually believe there's something good that's mm. buried deep inside of me. Because again, it was always, you know, at our root, we're bad, we're sinful, all these different things. But, and you have to find truth out there somewhere because it's certainly not going to be in here. Once I started to really look in, befriend that younger child of mine try to speak to that younger child like i would my daughter mm. it just opened up this whole different world where now i'm like oh like the pathway to truth so to speak really is one that you can find what you turn inward it doesn't just mm. have to, it's not just out there somewhere in some place i have to travel mm. some place i have to get to it really is within and so mm. everything you're saying is really resonating with a lot of where i'm at see this like a story like that, it's easy. Like I'm sure for you now, you know, being like just joking around or me being around Pentecostal people, I can make my jokes and have fun with all that. Sure, but sure. <laughs> when you see the actual fruit of a child yep. growing up within that, you know, it's like unhealthy family. That's what's so tough for people when, when so many people are like, I'm deconstructing now and I'm changing things, which I totally understand. But I'm like, people are having to come to terms with, religiosity family systems genetic predispositioning but it's all entangled in this one cluster of a knot 
Yeah. You know, and it's right. really hard. Like I thought that was God. No, that was a very unhealthy family system that created this neurosis within you when you were a child. And now when you're older, it's being projected onto God being mad at you. But really, you know, like if, for example, like I'm just saying, like, so yeah, that's right. You see the fruit of what it does to people long term. And it's yeah. tough. Like I, I, I went to this big church in my early 20s, or I don't know how old I was exactly. And I was still like, I had this spontaneous awakening moment. God, I'm 18. I'm like, mm-hmm. just really starting to go to church a couple, you know, two, three years later. Mm-hmm. And there was this big altar call. I've told the story before, but it's funny where it's like, you go to this massive church, and there's an altar call, and you're like, whoa, there's like 400 people here. Yeah. And you go the next week, you're like, whoa, it's wait, it's the same 400 people. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I must have, I must have responded because I was standing up there, but yeah. I remember the pastor very pumped up, you know, very like, oh no, come on, let's go, just talking very yeah. fast. Yeah. And he's like, Does anyone have anxiety? And you know, people raise their hands, and he's like, In the name of Jesus, that anxiety's gone. Yep. And I, even at 21, I remember thinking like, I was like, that's irresponsible. That's very dangerous. That's, that's, that's damaging. And that's not how this works. Cause I'm looking at this young vulnerable person next to me who possibly has tears in their eyes. Who's going to take what this religious figure says very seriously, feel good for the day. Like you said, and then Thursday afternoon when their patterns kick in, they're going to be confused. There, maybe there'll be some shame. Maybe they'll think it's their fault. Maybe they think it's this. And I'm like, you cannot skip over the real radical work of transformation. finding what's there, facing it, feeling it, taking it in, practicing acceptance, letting go. And that is not denying the power of God. That is entrusting and holding space for the things that we think if we accept are going to make us spontaneously combust. It's holding those things in the presence of God because of the trust that the power of God subtly and slowly carries us through the death. This is the death and resurrection to the other side every single time. That is not Like talking about the integration of psychology and spirituality is not minimizing the presence of God. It is placing us and everything in its proper ecology and economy of how this all works. This is what spirit does. This is what we do. And it's a co-creative relationship. And it's, it's so different when we're no longer like, let, like, let me just, it's willpower. Let me just will it. And all the strength of my ego, I think I'm going to just pray hard enough, cry hard enough, lift my hands high enough, weep harder, and somehow I'm going to create some magical incantation to make God or reality finally fix that thing within me instead of learning how to sit with that thing myself, perhaps in the presence of a few loved ones who can help carry me through, where it's no longer my strength of fighting it. It's allowing it in and allowing the strength of God to undo it in, in the presence of love and realize I'm actually more whole on the other side. That is a yeah. different orientation in this journey that makes it so much less like it can feel like that energy of religion is so, is always trying to conquer things. When I, when to me, that phrase is so important of Jesus saying like, I've already, like, I've already overcome the world. Yeah. That's right. We don't have to conquer it. We have to trust it, allow it, let it be, allow God to do. And the flow things, that's the, everything starts, everyone can relax. 
Yeah. For me, spirituality is it's relaxing, it's mm. uncoiling, it's taking that which is so wound up within us and loosening it yeah. and realizing, hey, when I loosen my grip on all this, it didn't all dissipate, it didn't all disintegrate. And actually, yeah. I'm more, I'm more open and I'm more loving and I'm more humble than I was. So it's just a different energy in how we do that. Yeah, that's so good. And um, just hearing what we said before about you know, the kind of the irresponsibility of some of those, of some of those things. And just like having to talk about in the book about, I think having to, I think you said like grit your way through and will your way through like a certain circumstance, like the darkness or the pain or whatever. And then, you know, the shame on that is if it doesn't go away, then like you said, then it's your fault. Whose fault is it? I must have done something wrong. Like I must not be doing it right. Or there's some hidden sin in my life or whatever, but there's a, a friend of mine who, I also went to the same Bible college I went to. They went on like a spiritual retreat and uh, they they were gone for like a weekend or something. At the end, they had this this moment of prayer where they had a big cross up the front and you had to leave something at the cross that you felt was weighing you down because you're going to be giving this thing over to Christ. You're going to leave it in the retreat. You're going to go back into your life and you're going to leave this thing behind. So it's like a very symbolic thing. And for her, it was always, she had been dealing with a lot of anxiety and things like that as a kid. And so she was on um, like various medications and stuff like that for anxiety. And she was encouraged to leave her anxiety medication at the cross. And so she left it at the cross and fully believed she was going to go back home. Everything was going to be fine because she had this, you know, experience, there was crying, there was music, there was prayer, there's all these different things. And for a couple of days, it seemed to be okay. But once the high of that retreat wore down and the real events of life start coming back in when you're back with your family and things like that, that kind of created these, these anxieties to begin with, there was panic, you know, set in. And then the panic led to shame of, I must've done something wrong. And then it just kind of spiraled back into this, this place. But now she's in this place where she's learning that, a, the medication helps me function <laughs> on a regular basis. So it's, this is not a bad thing. And B, all this anxiety comes from somewhere. And mm-hmm. rather than push it away, I need to sit with it and I need to mm-hmm. figure it out. So just in counseling and doing different things to kind of come to grips with this stuff. But again, like you just talked about, I mean, it's just, a, it's just all about welcoming that, that non-dualistic mindset of sit with this and learn from it. And, mm. and, move, and move into it. Mm. All right. So my last question for you, I want to talk to you about, where is that piece? Oh, about forgiveness, because you talk about in the book about kind of forgiveness in the making of a mystic and mm. that idea of how there's different levels of forgiveness. And I might totally botch this up when I position this question to you. So you can feel free to go in and <laughs> kind of undo what I might do. But you talked about how there's like different layers. Like you need to, for instance, like if a friend hurts you, your friend leaves, you, you forgive your friend on that higher level, because I'm going to forgive this person for what they did to me, the pain they caused. But underneath that is a much deeper level where Mm. it's, I need to almost forgive the universe in a way, because these things happen. Like Mm. this happens, you, you, you come become close to somebody and they hurt you. It's not just this one person does it to you, but it happens in all relationships everywhere. And so kind of getting that place where you don't just forgive the person, you forgive the universe. And again, welcome these things into your, into your midst. And so I was wondering mm-hmm. if you can maybe take us a little deeper into that, because I never heard anything like that before. Like forgiveness for me was always 
you know, 70 times seven, forgive, forgive, forgive the individual. And that was really it, yeah. you know, and that's important. But then underneath that, there's a whole nother level. So take us there. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, out of any, I, I told you off air before, like, you know, obviously I'm doing a lot of interviews right now and no one's asked me about that. Mm. And I think it's one of the most important things. So important. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think that stuck out to me the most in the book was that section. You know, to me, like I have a second book coming out in 2020 in Jan, actually in January, 2023. Oh, great. And it's, it's all, it's, it's called the joy of letting go. Hmm. And it's how letting go is not one thing we do. Letting go is that which holds together everything we do. So beneath the surface of our lives all of the time, there's forgiveness, acceptance, and letting go are all really interconnected. You can't forgive without letting go. You can't let go without practicing acceptance. Those sure. are all connected. Sure. Sometimes it's forgiving a person. Sometimes it's, it's accepting a circumstance, but it's the same inner mechanism that mm. is working when we do those things. Mm. And Jesus is teaching on forgiveness are very, 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 very radical. Yeah. And I, I bring that up in the book, I think the, the seven times seven. Mm-hmm. And so I say, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a really challenging radical way of reading that. And one of them is every time somebody forgives you, I mean, every time somebody harms you or wrongs you, you are, you, you, t- you are to forgive them. That's already a great challenge right that's not easy to that's that. <laughs> a lot right for right. for free pretty much every human being that yeah. is an amazing thing to ask yeah now what i say is of course people can do all of the commentary work all the cultural you know context mm-hmm. i get all that so you can do all that but there's another even more radical way if that's not even hard enough as <laughs> it is or, or amazing there's an even more radical, radical meaning getting at the roots of things. There's mm-hmm. another radical reading of that text that doesn't just say you are to forgive everybody when they hurt you. It says, oh, actually, the most radical cosmic universal thing you can do is to forgive reality itself for being flawed. Yeah. There is the individual. Exp- That's why one, the quote in the section you're talking about is real freedom comes not from forgiving the concrete person. It comes from accepting the cosmic pattern. Yeah. Every individual experience you have with people. Now, people listening can't see me, but Ben can see me right now. Mm -hmm. And this is my very preacher mode because I'm using, I don't have a whiteboard, (laughs) so I'm making sense with my hands. (laughs) But every time you're interacting with the concrete person, when there's forgiveness, the concrete person forms a ladder that you climb up to eventually see the cosmic pattern in place that mm-hmm. your spirit is really wrestling with and struggling to accept. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all it's the person, but it's always bigger than the person, right? It's a person, but it's actually a pattern. It's the pattern through them in the moment, but it's actually a pattern beyond them in life itself. So I would say whenever a person does something, it's never a completely isolated act. It's always one, it's a particular instantiation of a pattern that exists in their life. You can spot that quickly. People are living out a pattern. So if someone does something two times, you're like, oh, that's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that helps me how to engage with them. Do I need boundaries? Do I do this? Sure, are they like sure. this? Yeah. Um, 
to extend that even further, it's not just a pattern in them, it's a pattern in life. So I'll give some examples. Mm -hmm. In the hard moments, it's not just me forgiving this person for turning their back on me when I opened my heart and gave them everything I had. It's accepting that we live in a world where I can give everything mm -hmm. and people can still end up walking away. The concrete situation, I'm forgiving this person when they betrayed me. The cosmic pattern, oh, I, I'm having a hard time accepting that you can love someone wholeheartedly and they can still walk away. Mm. The person is an expression of the larger pattern, right? It's not just forgiving him for leaving when he was the one I counted on the most. It's accepting that sometimes the people you count on are, going, are not going to stick around and eventually are going to leave. Hmm. And to put it more in a more general sense, it's not just me forgiving this person for hurting me. It's forgiving reality itself for being a place where I can get hurt. It's not just the person, it's the pattern. And why that is so important and why I think if we can start to practice that and become that, it greases up the track of transformation more than most people can imagine yeah. because people keep expressing patterns that are hurting us. And every time we get surprised, it, or we get surprised or disappointed or hurt where if you accept the cosmic pattern, Hey, sometimes you're going to love people really well and they're going to walk away. If I've accepted that at a universal level, Hey, that's a really hard, I've already wept over that. I've grieved over that. I've wrestled with that in, in the sense of reality and I've allowed it and I've surrendered to it and trusted God with it. Now, when I come back, I don't have to shut my heart down. I can consciously choose to love this person. And then when they walk away, you know what happens? Mm. I'm not surprised. Mm. Yeah, it might hurt for a moment, but I'm not resisting it. I'm not rejecting it. I'm not fighting with it. I'm not having a hard time accepting it. I've already accepted at a universal pattern what this person's doing in an individual sense. So when you do it, I'm like, it doesn't surprise me. Mm. It'll hurt me, but it's not bothering me and leaving me frustrated or stuck for years because I already have accepted this is how it is. That, that's why I would say you can be free from any resistance to pain while still feeling the reality of pain. Yeah, it hurts, hmm. but I'm not fighting it now. I'm not looking around like, how could this happen? Yeah. I'm not like, God, why is, no. I've like, the peace the mystic has in public is born out of the tears they've shed in private. Yeah. And the yeah. mystic has wrestled with those things, accepted things, let go of expectations, faced the cosmic patterns of, here's the cosmic patterns of yes, it is that hard. And also I've discovered here's the cosmic patterns of the foundational goodness. Now I can return to the individual person and it's okay. Oh, yeah. oh, you said, so. oh, I, I thought I did a good job, you know, caring for you and you still turned on me, man, it sucks. I wish it wasn't like that, but yeah, that happens. Same. And now guess what? I thought about it for five to 10 minutes I, I let go of it. Yeah, the hurt might stay with me for a little bit, of, depending on the nature of sure, our relationship. Sure. But I'm not fighting reality. Like the mystic stops fighting reality because they've embraced reality for what it is. So mm. that's a practice. Like anytime you're wrestling with something in the concrete, yeah, struggling to accept a pattern that is cosmic and bigger than that. And if you can get to the bigger thing and realize what you're really fighting with, it makes all the little things so much easier. Because I'm like, this doesn't surprise me. I've already accepted people are going to hurt me. It's okay. 
you know yeah. what I'm saying? So that's yeah. really good. And what, while you're talking, I wrote down pretty much what you just said. I said that you, well, I can't read my chicken scratch, but I said you can, if you accept reality, that kind of sets the foundation for individual forgiveness. Abs- that's that's right? exactly. And then maybe that's why now that I think of it, maybe that's why Jesus seems so good at forgiveness. Because I mean, you think of like, think of Peter, you think of, you know, being, being denied three times, you think of, you know, Judas, things like that. Like, whenever I, one of the things that always stood out to me is like when I read those stories, it doesn't seem very hung up on it. Like, it doesn't seem very hung up on mm-hmm. Peter dying. He just kind of looks at him. And like the look is maybe the look is just the way that life <laughs> life works, you know, like there are no hard feelings kind of thing, you know. And I I wonder if that's kind of the key there is that you know Jesus was this this mystic and Jesus was this person who understood that this is the way that reality works. People get afraid and people maybe say things like Peter they don't necessarily mean or they don't necessarily believe, and I'm not going to take that personally because this is what happens. And so it's expected to happen. Mm. And, and therefore, you know, I forgive him. And that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is verbatim, but I'm taking this from Ken Wilber, but Wilber says it hurts because it's painful. It bothers you because you can't accept it. Ah. Yeah. Things will still, the individual instantiations of whatever this is, it will still hurt, mm-hmm. but the bothering the frustrating, the I can't move on, I can't let go, that those are all forms of non-acceptance. Yeah. And if I've accepted at the cosmic pattern, I can still feel the hurt of it, but I'm not bothered by it. I'm not fighting with it. I've already come to terms that we I cannot create, I cannot love, I cannot give myself to this world without facing criticism, without having people betray me, without people be having opinions about me i don't yeah it'll hurt if i hear something but i'm not i'm no longer wrestling with it the universal acceptance like you said allows me to return and come back to the concreteness and forgive so quickly because i'm not forgiving you i've already forgiven life itself and you are just a particular expression of how this all works and that's okay right that to mike you connect with that it's like I'm not fighting all these other things you're wrestling with at an individual level. They'll still hurt, but you can let go of that. Like sometimes in the book, I'm like, you can let go of something in five minutes or you can let go of something in five years. But whenever you decide to finally face it, it's the same thing you have to let go of. That's right. That's right. So it's, it's, again, we have the power to choose to make decisions that open up the path further or close it down. And the spirit is faithfully, humbly that that's one thing i don't hear talked about all the time that i love is the humility of god Mm. the god who knocks on the door and says i'm not going to coerce you i'm not going to force you i'm not going to make you i'm not going to shame you i'm not going to guilt trip you but i am going to keep inviting you further and the moment that you open up the moment you wake up the moment you slow down the moment you start listening god's like i'm faithful and I'm loving, and I'm ready to bring you along the journey. That's That's why the great Meister Eckhart has this quote where he's like, the moment you find yourself ready, God has to pour himself into you. It's something like that. But the humility, like we have limitations on love. We want to withhold love. Like I did this for them and they didn't respond the way I like. So now I'm going to withhold or I'm not going to love them. And the humility of a love that infinitely pours itself out and faithfully invites us forward. The, no matter how many times we forget and just don't pay attention, the moment we open up the spirits, 
right here. This is where we begin. To me, I'm like, that's the gospel is that right there. To me, that's the good. That's why I'm a Christian. That's why I love this. That's why I am who I am. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. All right. So as we as we as we wrap up. No, um, we just hit, we just hit know, we just, hour one and we're going to hour two, right? Going now. hour two. And then we're going to, we're going to make a whole day seminar out of this, <laughs> but how, let's talk to the person who's listening to this and they're, this is all kind of ringing in their spirit. Um, they're going, yes, yes, yes. Aha, aha, aha. What, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to pursue that mystical path, especially somebody who comes from the kind of world that I described before, that very evangelical world where this, this can often be seen as new agey in that world. You know, this is not, you know, this isn't the truth, but yet they feel in their Which heart. Which is like, hilarious to me because I'm like, <laughs> this is all, to right. me, I'm like, this is the most Christian thing. <laughs> and it's in the Bible. How can you not see it? It's like right there. You know? But I talk to that person, like, what, what advice do you have? Like, where, where should they begin to explore? What kind of not changes but what kind of things can they like adopt into their life to kind of pursue these these paths Mm. well i think the first thing i would say even before we totally grounded in the practical Mm -hmm. is and it's the last part of the the book the subtitle like why it's okay for everyone to relax i wish for people who have grown up bounded and have and tight and struggled and who come out with the neurosis or the shame or the guilt and all that which is totally understandable and so hard. It's a lifelong journey to grow beyond and to transcend mm-hmm. and to, to, you know, move beyond or to move through. Sure. I would, I would love to say, and I, more importantly, I would love for them to eventually experience in Christ, like, Hey, we're okay here. Yeah. It's okay to relax a little. There's no cause angry chess player in the sky, moving the pieces of life again. Nothing. No one's against you. Yeah. This whole thing's for you. Yes, of course, there's death and hurt and pain. Yeah, of course. But the the spirit, the foundation of the center, the, the eyes at the center of the universe are looking at you with an affirmative gaze of love. That's right. That's right. And we can be invited to trust that and to mm-hmm. settle into that and to relax into that and to uncoil a bit and to trust that. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's the pastoral natural movement is to desire to lead people into that and to help guide them there so one the good news is hey we can relax i don't mean that in a pithy Mm -hmm. way i mean a real our bodies our minds our hearts can be aligned and we can relax into something that's larger than us because the river's carrying us the ocean's larger than us and we're in it and we just need to learn how to flow and to trust it on the practical level there's a few things one explore experiment and hopefully eventually discover Mm -hmm. what concrete practices rituals and events help ground you in the presence of goodness and god and love Mm -hmm. and help you feel the simple feeling of being your true self where you can relax in that presence because they're experienced simultaneously. Mm. Um, So some people might say some people who tend to be on the more like have a tendency towards like the busy, their minds are very scattered, their bodies are in motion. They might look at me and say, I'm never going to sit 
for 20 minutes in silence like you I'm not and that's and as a pastor I'm like that's fine like I don't I never try to force people to do anything one way I don't personally don't care I'm like well then maybe for you a walking meditation is better because the for some people a slight movement of the body helps occupy their monkey mind enough it helps give some physical energy to help align them and calm them down and be present hey that's fine if it's this other like at one point in my life in my 20s i would listen to gregorian chants in my headphones and just focus on my breath Mm. that was a practice i did for a while Mm -hmm. you could hang upside down on moon boots for all i care i don't (laughs) they're like they're all fingers pointing to the moon spiritual practices are pointing they're not the point the point is being un allowing yourself to fall apart in the presence of God, mm-hmm. wherever that happens, and to, yeah. to get a taste of your true self and get a glimpse of the goal of life as a whole in God. And you have to find what's right for you to do that and return to that over and over and over and over again. What James Finley calls, you know, his daily rendezvous mm-hmm. with God. You know, the more you intentionally go to that place, the more you organically live from that place for the rest of your life. So I'm here mm. with you, Glenn, we're talking, but a, my heart is up on that mountain, breathing present with God. And I'm carrying that peace, that knowing of who I am into this conversation. Cause I've gone there intentionally so much. It starts to become who you are and is mm. it woven into the very day-to-day existence of my life. Like I'm, a, I can be grounded in my day-to-day life like I am up there because I've gone there so much you just start to become that so that's not something you learn in your mind where it's like oh I learned the concept and now I'll move on no I return over and over and over again I told a guy in my church years ago I said man if you do 20 minutes in silence four days a week and you really commit to that in five years you'll start to get it yeah yeah but no one wants to hear that. But right. that's true about friendships yeah. and a marriage. marriage. Like you yeah. can't just say, I love you. And that's it. It's like, no, we still have to connect. We still need to align. We still need to me and my wife on our lanai, which is a balcony for people on the mainland, but on our <laughs> lanai, drinking wine, you know, eating meat and cheese, talking about our kids and talking about our future and still laughing and we I'm we're returning to each other over and over, not just right. to know you can know your partner loves you, but you have to experience, connect with, and actually receive the love. That's the same thing in our life with God. It's not enough to believe in God. You have to experience being seen, being known, and being cared for by God. And the more you do that, the more you'll just start to trust that and become a person who has their feet grounded in that every single day. And the way you do that will be, I don't here's a little freedom for people, you know, in, in their exploration. I don't read the Bible devotionally. Mm. I just haven't for yep. so long personally, mm. you know, yeah. Yeah. I just, cause the Bible for me is learning the story, mm-hmm. being called into the story, learning about the concrete way of Jesus, but it's not the same as a direct experience and being present in the presence of God that I need less words for that. Too many words get in the way of that experience for me. Mm. So reading is information, but it's not transformation for me. I don't look to the Bible. I don't look to the Bible for for direct personal experience. Mm. I'm not joking. Last night, I have a five-year-old daughter named Michaela Brave and a three-year-old son named True. 
and we were reading when they were before they were going to sleep you know like this kid's bible and gosh i can't remember oh it was the the noah the noah story right okay. so i'm like i'm gonna tell you this story like this and then when you get turned 16 i'll tell you like <laughs> oh, here's another way of seeing this it's all <laughs> it's all what's developmentally appropriate right <laughs> Right now, sure, this happened. Right. The animals were <laughs> um, so cute. <laughs> but I, my daughter was like, kind of like sitting, like laying on me, like in my lap. And she was talking and she was like, like we prayed or something. And she's like, like I have a question. I'm like, okay. And she's like, here we go. <laughs> but how, she's like, how do you hear God? Mm. Right. And I said, you know, as a quick sort of pastoral, we can't get into the complexities. It's, it's more like a mute, it's more like a resonance, you know, it's more like a whatever. Right. <laughs> I said, well, sweetie, you know, one way to hear God is to read the Bible, you know, because whatever, yeah. like God speaks through the Bible or something like that. And she's like, yeah, well, that's learning about God. But how do you like hear God? And I'm like, how are you already knowing this? She, she's right. already like, that's information. But what right. I'm looking for is direct knowing. And I'm like, you are my daughter. And I yes. love you so much. Yes. But I think that's, that's really <clears throat> funny. The ultimate practice is what is tethering you to the spirit? What is helping you feel loved and feel seen? And whatever those practices are, then that you find that and you return to that again and again and again, and you'll trust it more and you That's return right. again and again. And you forget there's no shame or guilt for, I, I still, I've been, I've had a practice. I've been spending a time in silence for like 20 years yeah. and I still have resistance to intentional times of silence. I'm still like, Oh, I'm good right now. Or I'll right. just do this. Like, and I've been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. And you, you, you spend time and you forget and you get comfortable, then you return again, but you return again and again to the eyes who are looking, looking at you and undoing you in your naked, vulnerable presence being like, just, it's enough already. Just, it's like, honestly, to me, it's a funny thing of God's looking at the world. Just like, let me love you. Yeah. Right. Stop fighting. What do you like? <laughs> there's a dilemma. Like everybody wakes up in the river gets out of the river and goes to the rest of the world begging people for Dixie cups of water. That's right. That's right. You woke up your, your, the thing is to trust it and allow it yeah. and whatever helps you do that, do that. And what doesn't, yeah. who cares? That's not the point, you know, yeah. if it works for somebody matter. else, but not for you, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You want to chant in, you want to read Sanskrit or chant in a language you don't understand. Cause that helps stop your monkey might help you be present go for it learn get rosetta yeah. stone for chanting i don't care it doesn't matter to me right yeah yeah that's so good yeah i've had the, i've always had this fascination with the bible just because i've been in it since i was a kid and you know obviously in college and seminary and stuff and i've always just been like fascinated by it but there was a season where that was always the thing that really connected me it felt like grounded me in in my my spiritual life and in god and i just felt like i was able to really communicate with god through it but there was a season where I was like, I can't read this without the lens that I've always read it through. Like, it's just, it's, it, it's becoming damaging to me now. Like I have to like, I have to stop reading it. So totally. I put my Bible away for quite a long time. And then I've picked it back up and I, I only read like the gospels now. Like I really don't read. Paul is just uh, <laughs> to me, like he's just rambling about nonsense old testament I, I could pretend i understand it but i don't understand much of what goes on in the old testament you know <laughs> revelations is on its own kind of thing but the gospels for whatever reason 
really just awakened something in me. And mm, now I've also awesome. discovered like uh, Bart Ehrman has a book uh, called The Other Gospels, where it's all mm. these other stories of Jesus that aren't in the Bible. And I didn't realize that there's hundreds of stories that are that, are, that they found. And, you know, there's some of them are the same that are in the four Gospels. Some are very different. But even reading those, like it just I love to just place myself in the story. And like, I just feel like the spirit brings to mind, like all different sorts of things that are true, you know, for, for life. And for me, like, that's something that call it a time of meditation, a time of whatever, like just to read those, sit with it for a little while, write something mm. in my journal. It just mm. does something to me. And I find that the more I do it, the more grounded I feel. But to your point, if I get to it, like, I'm like, oh, I don't have time today, or I'm too tired, or I'm good, you know, whatever, I feel, I'm in a pretty good spot. And I don't do it for a while. I, I definitely feel the lack of it mm. in my life. And I feel that draw to kind of go back to it. Mm. Mm. I love it. Well, Hey, we're just about out of time. Uh, but before you go, where can people find you online to interact with you, your work? The book comes out in May, right? May 31st okay. choir publishing, uh, you know, find it on Amazon at the time. Yep. And the best place to follow me is one. I have my own podcast called the church needs therapy. Church needs therapy podcast um the best place to like stay up day to day is my instagram at kevin sweeney one because mm -hmm. that's where like book release and prints because i'm like doing prints from the book and this here thing to leading up to it it's all through there okay. and yeah you know the book is <clears throat> it's all this stuff we're talking about but for me it's really grounding this in like the mysticism of every day yeah the non-dual mind is not just this massive thing to understand. It's something that grounds us and enables us to be at peace with people in conflict, to not get stuck in an unforgiveness and all these things. So for me, it's a very practical, despite the title, like it's an extremely practical and pastoral book from my very perspective. Much. Very you much. Know? Yeah. So yeah, you know, just from the book, I hope people get that glimpse of like, oh, there's, there's more life ahead. There's more peace, more joy, more freedom without getting caught in all of these unnecessary things that aren't the substance of the spirit that is always with us and inviting us forward, which is what I see as the deepest reality of, of, of the world we live in. So, that's right, that's right. yeah, and I, I just want to say to you, Glenn, like as a first time writer, without having creds and without seeing me on so many other podcasts, like, mm -hmm. you know, now, to take the time to take the risk to to extend the invitation here is something I don't take for granted. And I'm really, really grateful for. And this was such a good time. So thank you to you and to the listeners tuning in just for this space, because it's really, really meaningful for me right now. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And I, I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. So maybe yeah, we, man, uh, maybe definitely we do a round in, two. Yeah, definitely stay in touch. That'd be awesome. All right, man. Well, you have a great day. I've been busy searching for you. Yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah This mind don't buy no play by the rules I'm gonna make sure that I play my cards right Intuition gave me signs that everything is alright Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls are moving and it's getting tight, getting tight. The shuffle getting real. real, I hope it lives on something good I'm all in for the kill, kill sometimes kill, it's getting kind of scary I'm here for the thrill, decisions on top of decisions Like I chose a pill, the bottle getting kind of empty Temptations made us presence in the air, it's kind of tempting Shortcuts after question, but it got on my attention Uh-oh, and I forgot, but did I? 
mention. Looks like I won the game, ain't my decision. I listen. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah. Just mind don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Kept it on the low. Gotta let it flow. Gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new, yeah. Trying to play cool. Quit with all the tools, yeah. Maybe you're my calling like I'm on flight at 28. Manifesting everything I take, it's not too late. Running to my purpose like I'm rushing to the gate. Of course, it's in my planning and it's also with my fate. At the end of the day, and we gon' find a way. It's a fact of the price that we pay. Everything shine to the gray. Nothing gon' break through the shade. Nothing gon' break through the hate. Everything all that we claim. Hit the red dot to that aim. No missing, I'm focused. No slipping, I'm growing. No talking, just showing. No stopping, keep going. Yeah. I'm just trying to break codes. Ain't nobody I owe. This the life that I chose. And I'm blessed for it. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah. Just mind, don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Kept it on the low. Gotta let it flow. Gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new. Trying to play cool, quit with all the tools. <laughs>